What's up, City Light? So good to see you guys this morning. This is a special day. It is not a national holiday, but it is a City Light Council Bluffs holiday because our church plant in Southwest Iowa goes public today. Yes, it's awesome. We love that we have not only multiplied disciples here in our region and city, but we're multiplying churches. It's been so cool to see many of you, man, give financially, go down. I think we've had six or seven city groups go down there to work on the building, get it ready, go to some outreach events they were doing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. One story I love is Tracy and Jen Colgrove, this awesome couple and their sweet daughter. Uh, They used to come to our church here most every Sunday. They were helping lead a city group. They led help lead the hospitality team, and then they kind of live down by Emerson, down in southwest Iowa. So they said, ah, we'll go check it out, see what it's like. And as they were there that Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit invited them. He called them, hey, come be a part of this thing on the regular. And so they jumped in, became part of the core team. They're there every Sunday. Their city group has now shifted to a Southwest Iowa city group. They're helping lead the hospitality team. They are the church. They're part of it, planting it. So it's awesome to see our church, all of us, planting a brand new church. Well done, guys. Very well done. Uh, So this morning, we're talking a little bit about growth and uh, a fascinating fact for you. Did you know that your ears and your nose never stop growing? From the moment that you were conceived until the day you die, your ears and your nose keep right on growing, which is a big bummer for me, okay? Because I was born with a big nose and big ears in the first place. I can't wait until I'm 80 years old. I'm just hoping that my wife still looks at me at that age. Growth, growth is a funny thing, isn't it? It was especially funny for my friend Ben in middle school. And uh, Ben, uh, he was always tall. He was always like above average. Um, but he, he, you could look up to him, but you probably didn't have to wear a helmet around him. You were generally safe around him. And at the end of seventh grade, Ben was maybe five foot one and wore a shoe size of seven. Then we all go home for the summer. And when we came back for eighth grade, Ben had grown. Like he had grown rapidly. He was about five foot seven and wore a shoe size of like 11. And so that made Ben a local celebrity in our middle school, and it was fun getting to watch Ben grow. He and I, we played basketball together, and as much as I enjoyed like having the super tall guy on my team in the practices, it was like a little bit dangerous. You know, like Ben's body had grown faster than his ability to control his body. So Ben would think he's just boxing out and trying to get the rebound. He didn't know that I was behind him with my face about waist level, and he'd swing his elbows back and just hit me right in the nose that I have that will never stop growing until the day I die. Ben's growth was exciting, but it also came at a price. It was so rapid that it came with a little bit of mess, a little bit of pain and a lot of awkwardness. We think, I think we all value growth. We all enjoy and celebrate growth, whether that's our kid like taking his first step or our investment portfolio growing. We love to compare uh, tomato plants in April to the tomato plants in August. We all value growth, but I think we also 
all understand that growth isn't always easy. And this morning, we're going to take an honest snapshot of the rapid, fast growth of the early church in Acts chapter 6. And we're going to look at all the exciting things that came with that growth, how it kind of put the church on the map and everybody heard about the church, how it made Jesus famous. But we're also going to look at the not-so-exciting stuff about that growth. There were a few people who took elbows to the noses along the way. So what does that matter to you? How does that affect you? Maybe you're like a first-time person here this morning. You're trying to discover who is Jesus and what did he teach. Maybe you've been with us for a few months and you're enjoying a newfound passion for Jesus and his Bible. Or maybe you've been with us from the very beginning. Why does this matter to you? Well, I think it matters to us because God didn't bring you here just so you can hear a message and get some donuts. I think God brought you here to make a difference. He's inviting you to not only hear, but also speak. He's inviting you to not only listen, but to lead you. You are here to make a difference. How? Well, Let's look in Acts chapter 6 and see if we can connect those dots. Acts 6 starts out in verse 1 with this general update on what God is doing in the church. It says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number. That's a good update, right? Luke is writing that the disciples, these early followers of Jesus, they were growing. They were getting bigger. They were increasing in number. In fact, updates like this happen throughout the book of Acts on a pretty regular basis. Like Acts 2 verse 41 celebrates that those who received the word of the Lord and were baptized were about 3,000 in number. Acts 2.47 celebrates that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts 4 verse 4 celebrates that many who heard the word of the Lord believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. And then Acts 5.14 says more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Whole multitudes of men and women were coming to Christ. And so as Luke writes the book of Acts on a pretty regular basis, he cycles back around to give us the stats, to give us the updates, the numbers, the increase in disciples. What can we make from this? I think as simple as it is, here's the point. Growth is good. Growth is good. By this point in time in Acts chapter 6, the early church was about two years old. And in their short two years as a church, they had gone from about 120 people scared stiff in an upper room to about 3,000 people being saved and baptized outside the temple to over 10,000 people who met regularly in homes as small groups and gathered regularly in synagogues as a large group. That's a lot of growth, and God loves that. He celebrates that. Growth is good. They were populating heaven, they were overflowing the baptism tanks, and they were reaching their city with the gospel. Growth is good. And now here we are in City Light Church and Council Bluffs, and we're about two years old. 
And in our short two years, we've gone from about 35 people in a backyard to more than 200 people in an old school building to more than 500 people on a regular basis in three different gatherings that scatter into 20 city groups and homes during the room uh, during the week and then gather in this room every Sunday morning. That's a lot of growth, and God celebrates that. He rejoices in that. Growth is good. We're populating heaven. We're overflowing baptism tanks, and we're reaching our city with the gospel. Growth is good. Praise God for that. But growth doesn't always feel good, right? Like a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were on a date, and we were dreaming about how fun it would be if our family borrowed somebody's RV and just traveled the nation for a month or two as a family. And I was like, oh, yeah, babe, that'd be great. Just think, in a couple years if we did that, Cademan would be nearly 15 years old and ready to drive, and all of our girls would be in, like, completely different stages of life. I mean, Josiah would be four years old, and he might even sleep through the night. I, I was excited. I thought, this sounds great. And then I look at my wife, and she was sad. I was like, oh, what's, what's going on? She said, I just don't want them to grow up. I just don't want them to grow up. Growth is good, but it doesn't always feel good. And some of you might even feel that way about our church. It's great to see new people and new city groups. It's great to see 60 baptisms. And we're launching six new city groups this fall. And there's new families and new children every Sunday. And yay, that's awesome. But sometimes we just miss the good old days. When it felt like everyone knew everyone. City Light. Chances are, if you've been with us for a while, you've felt that way. You were there maybe when we ate breakfast together, or we could all fit in one backyard, and now it's been a couple years, you're kind of getting tired, and you're like, there's a lot of people here I don't even know, and can I just say, I get it. I've been there too. Sometimes I want to go back to like the scrappy days when we're like knocking down walls, and there's 55 people, and I know all their stories and all their names, but God reminds me on a regular basis, Doug, growth is good. Growth is good. It is my desire. It's my design, and it is for my glory. There's an early moment in the life of our church when we made a decision. You know what? We're in this to grow. We're in this to reach people who don't yet know Jesus Christ. We're back in our original building, and our one gathering every Sunday was starting to fill up in the core team season. We're like, do we, do we go to two gatherings? Like, can we do that? And honestly, I was kind of like, I don't really want to. I really like getting to see everybody every week and stay connected. And Chris, one of my friends who helped plant the City Light Church in Omaha, he was talking with our leadership team, and he said, guys, why did you plant this church in the first place? Was it just so maybe 100 people could have a church to call home? What about the 60,000 people in Council Bluffs who don't have a church home, the 60,000 who don't yet know Jesus? And I was like, oh, dagger, right into the heart. And in that moment, our team, we made the decision, you know what? We are in this to grow. We are in this to reach the thousands of people in Council Bluffs who don't yet know Jesus Christ. No matter how many gatherings we have to have on Sundays, no matter how many buildings we have to outgrow, no matter how many city groups we have to multiply, no matter how many churches we have to plant, we are in this to grow and reach people who don't know Jesus. Growth is good. It is God's desire, his design, and it is for his glory. I feel like uh, my friends uh, Tom and Paula Hovenagel, I, I feel like they get this. 
the Hovenagels were part of Sherwood Community Church that joined up with us a little over a year ago. And this was the experience for the Hovenagels. One Sunday, they're sitting in this room with maybe about 50 or so people gathered as Sherwood Community Church. Seven days later, they come back to the same room. There's wood all over the walls. Uh, All the walls are painted different colors. There's donuts and kids running around and being loud and noisy. There's over 300 people in two different gatherings in this building at City Light Church. What happened? growth happened. And it was amazing. It's still amazing to watch the Hovenagels just jump right in and grow with us. They said yes to what God was doing. They said growth is good. And their response, their lives tell us it's worth it to grow. It's worth it to make those changes. They now provide meals for student ministry. They've plugged into a city group. They serve on Sunday mornings. Their lives, their response tell us growth is good. Hey, some of you this morning, just as your friend, can I just remind you, and you need to hear, growth is good. Whether it's your children getting older or one of them went off to college this fall, maybe your city group multiplied or it's just our church, growth is good. Amen? Amen. Let's go back to Acts chapter 6 and keep going with this update and see what else God is saying to us. And now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, a complaint? Wait, this is the early church, right? Like the early church was awesome. They didn't have complainers back then, right? Whole multitudes were coming to faith in Christ. Thousands were getting baptized. Surely they didn't have any complaints. The early church was like running a marathon with an ever-flowing supply of Red Bull. Always energetic, always exciting, always happy, always growing, right? The early church didn't have complaints. Wrong. They did have complaints. It says, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So in the midst of all the hustle and bustle and the the holiness and the happiness and the messages and the miracles, something wasn't right. These Hellenist widows were being neglected. Now, the Hellenist Jewish people, they would be kind of like the outsider's to the Jewish people. They'd be like the JV, and the Hebrew-speaking Jewish people, they'd be the varsity Jewish people, okay? Like the Hellenists were a little more into Greek culture and a little less into church culture. You might say that the Hellenists didn't only listen to Caleb, they also liked cat country, right? Like they were cool with Chris Tomlin, but they also liked Chris Stapleton, okay? So they just weren't as Jewish as these Hebrew-speaking Jewish. But they were still followers of Jesus, okay? They were still joyful, excited followers of Jesus. And some of the Hellenist widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Now, that's a problem. And so these widows start complaining. They didn't like being neglected. And they're complaining and telling the story around. And their complaining gets all the way up to the apostles, the key leaders of the early church. Now, what do the apostles do? Look at verse 2. And the 12, that's the apostles, they summoned the full number of the disciples. They got everybody together and said, now we're going to skip what they said for right now. We'll come back to it, but go down to verse 5. What they said pleased the whole gathering. 
So when the apostles heard the complaint, they didn't try to shut it down or silence it. They didn't say, hey, widows, could you just stop complaining? Don't you know thousands are coming to faith in Christ? Whole multitudes are putting their trust in Jesus Christ. You should just be happy. Growth is good and bigger is better. Stop complaining. No, they didn't do that. Instead, they validated the widow's complaint. They gathered the whole church together because a few widows were, having, were being neglected. The, the apostles realized that they needed to be seen. They were saying, hey, widows, listen, we see you, you matter, and we're going to make sure you are taken care of. Here's what I think the point is that we can take away from this. Growth is good, but growth isn't God. The apostles knew that, yeah, in some ways growth is good and bigger is better. And baptism stats, yeah, they're exciting. That's awesome. But growth is not God. Growth is not our goal. Jesus Christ is the only God of the local church. And we bow down to him and him alone. The apostles refused to hide behind growth. They refused to bow down to growth. They refused to let growth be an excuse for selfish leadership. They knew that Jesus alone is the Lord of the church. And Jesus was really clear about how to treat widows and orphans, how to love and serve the poor. And so the apostle said, we are not going to bow down to growth. Instead, we're going to bow down to Jesus Christ. And in this particular situation, that meant they listened to some widows. They knew that everyone matters and anyone can make a difference. So City Light, let's just be honest around here. We love growth. We are thankful that we've had to go to three gatherings to make room for more people to hear the gospel. We are thankful that we outgrew one building and then we were given a bigger free building. We are thankful for 20 city groups cast all over the city and the region. We are thankful for a growing student ministry. We're thankful for every little kid that walks through these doors and an outreach to Iowa Western and generous donations. Man, we are thankful for that. And I know in my head that all of those things, they are gifts from God. God. They are not God, but the true test of my heart is this. Am I listening to the widow's complaint? No matter what my mouth might say, what truly reveals where my heart is, is am I listening to the widow's complaint? Am I listening to the least of these? Jesus did. He heard the widow's complaint. This is something remarkable about Jesus. He would have thousands just jumping towards him, longing to be near him, and yet he would notice the one woman who couldn't stand up. He would have hundreds just shouting his praises and telling him how awesome he is, and he would hear the one man begging for mercy from the son of David. He could have all the fame that Jerusalem could afford him, but he stopped to talk with the woman at the well in Samaria. Jesus loved the least of these. Jesus listened to the least of these. So get this. If the story of City Light Church is going to be the story of Jesus, then we're not saying, hey, look at us. We've grown. We're big now. No, the story is going to be, look at Jesus. 
Jesus left the golden growth of heaven to come find the least on earth, even me. He found me and he died for me. The story of City Light isn't bigger is better and growth is good. It's that Jesus is good and everyone, anyone, the least one among us matters to him. So can I ask you a question? Who's the one that God has put in your life? Who's the widow, the the person that you could easily forget, easily neglect, and they would fade to the background and nobody would even notice? I think we all have widows in our lives, but I also know that we all have, on average, 46 notifications on our phones every single day. 46 reminders of things we need to do and important people we need to go see. And so the widow's complaint, it fades to the background. But Jesus is inviting us to bring it to the foreground. He's inviting us with our actions and our words and our lives to say to the widows in our lives, you matter. You're important. I see you and God sees you too. So the two big truths from this passage. We've seen them, right? Growth is good. We should celebrate that and pursue that and thank God for that. But we got to be honest, growth isn't God. We don't bow down to growth. We bow down to Jesus alone. Now, what does that mean for us as a community? What does that mean for you in your daily life? Let's go back to the plan that the apostles put together and see if we can connect some rubber to the road. Here's the plan they put together beginning in verse 2. They say, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And then they go and they execute the plan. They do it. Now, that's the apostles' plan. The apostles listen to the widow's complaint. They believe that everyone matters and anyone can make a difference. And then what they did is they clarified their roles. They even limited their roles. And they empowered new leaders to respond to the complaint, to address the problem. It's a really simple plan, but it is so supernatural. And what I want to do is just give us four observations on this plan that I think can connect with our lives this week. You ready? The first observation is this. Preaching and prayer get first dibs in the church. Preaching and prayer get first dibs in the church. In other words, for them, if their church leaders could only do one or two things well, then those two things were going to be preaching the gospel and praying heaven down to earth. They devoted themselves to the word and to prayer. Now, I usually like to make fun of my co-planter who looks like a bearded hobbit, but I'm not going to do that this morning, okay? Instead, I'm going to brag on him. He's preaching the gospel right now in Southwest Iowa. I want to brag on him. The man knows his Bible, doesn't he? And he can take just about any passage in the Bible, show me Jesus in that passage, and then infuse a passion for Jesus into my soul. I love it. Another thing I love about Eric is how he prays. And whenever Eric prays, I think my favorite thing is as he prays, you can like tell just how big God is to him. 
Like, I think God is up on his throne as Eric prays, and he's going, yes, keep asking for big things. Nothing is impossible with me. Everything is possible with me. You might be a little man, but you've got big prayers, right? I love how Eric is devoted to the word and to prayer. Now, what does that mean for you this week as you go to your job or school or whatever it is? Well, it's, consider this. The apostles realized, and they were wise to realize, that they weren't supermen. They knew they could only do one or two things well. And what was true for the apostles in 36 AD is true today for moms and dads and business owners and business leaders and students and graphic designers and cooks and chefs and coaches and teachers. So can I state the obvious? You aren't Superman. And you aren't Superwoman. Really, you can probably only do one or two things well in your life. So find out what those are and go do them. Second observation that I think we get from their plan is this. The leaders were already among them. The leaders were already among them. Did you catch verse 3? The apostles say, therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you. And then they describe these leaders. So the apostles didn't go hire a consultant to, from Egypt to come fix their problem. They said, no, the leaders are already here in our midst. They just need invited. They just need tapped on the shoulder and they will step up and step into leadership. The same is true right here, City Light. We are loaded with incredible leaders in our church. Many of you are already leading and some of you, you're kind of watching from the fringes and going, uh, should I lead here? Here and can I encourage you this morning, receive this message as God's divine tap on your shoulder to come help us lead. You've done it in the past and you did it with joy and excellence, but that kind of faded and you drifted to city light because we're growing fast and you can sort of kind of hide out and see if this is a safe place. And I want to encourage you. I think God's inviting you. Get back in the game. Come lead again. You are here among us, and I'm inviting you, come help lead us. Third thing that I think we see in the apostles' plan is this. The leaders were known for their character. They were known for their character. When the apostles lay out which leaders to look for, how do they describe them? It says in verse 3, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. In other words, they were known for their character, not for their talent. Now, talent is kind of like the trump card in our culture, in our business world today. If you've got talent, you can behave any way you want because your talent can produce enough for them. But the church is different. In the church, yeah, talent matters. You can't just ignore it. But it's not nearly as important as character, as being a man or a woman who has good reputation, who's full of the spirit and full of wisdom. They were known for their character more than for their talent. So maybe ask yourself this question, how am I known? At my job, how am I known? In my neighborhood, in my school, in our church, how am I known? Am I known as a man or woman of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom? Uh, fourth and final thing that I think we see here empowered leaders multiply disciples. 
Empowered leaders multiply disciples. When the church identified these new leaders, the apostles gathered with the church and they prayed for those leaders and it says they laid hands on them, which is important because laying hands on them was a visual representation of the apostles saying, the authority we have, we're giving it to these guys. These guys now have that same authority to lead, make decisions, serve, love, all that good stuff. The apostles had to go from controlling all the details to empowering the leaders. And when they made that transition, what happened? Look at verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples, what's the next word, church? Multiplied, right? The number of disciples multiplied greatly. That's our mission as a church. Our mission literally says we exist to multiply disciples and churches. So how do we do that? Just like they did in Acts 6. We do it by empowering leaders. This is something Eric and I had to learn early on. Originally, like, Eric and I were the city group leaders, okay? We had two city groups. Eric and I helped lead those city groups. Now we have more than 20 groups, over 75 city groups leaders, 75 city group leaders. We had to go from controlling all the details to empowering new leaders. Why? Because we want to multiply disciples. We want to multiply churches. So maybe I'll close with uh, my friend Tim's story. Uh, I remembered Tim from the very first Sunday that he showed up because he came in and he was wearing a fedora and white shoes with class. Like he pulled it off. It was like, wow, how do you do that, right? And I remember him walking in. I was shaking his hand, greeting him, He's like, or uh, hugging him. He's like, that's weird. Why is he hugging me? So anyways, I did it, and I remember thinking, what's God got for this guy? Like, what is God going to do through this man? He and his wife came for a little while, and then after a couple months, we announced this City Light School for Leaders, a place where they could grow, learn, develop, all that sort of stuff. And so Tim, he, he's a little older in age, and he had never had an email address So he literally went and created his first ever email address just so he could sign up online for the City Light School. I love it. It's just awesome. And then he comes to the school, and the first day of class of the school, he said, man, Doug, I was always the class clown in school. I was the dude who sat in the back row and talked the whole time. I didn't care what the teacher was saying. I just wanted to get in and get out and get my schooling over with. But now he was starting to discern, man, maybe God's inviting me to help own papers and he ain't here in City Light to help lead. And so he read some books, he wrote some papers, and he engaged with other students. Then shortly after the school was over, we said, hey guys, we need more teachers and leaders for City Light kids. You hear it all the time, right? And that time, Tim was like, I can do that. I'm learning some more about my Bible. It's kids after all. It can't go terrible. And so he jumped in. And what happened is now he is teaching once a month here and he teaches once a month at our church plant in Southwest Iowa, telling the gospel to children. Not only that, but Tim and his wife, they jumped into a city group. They continued to grow in their character and their Bible knowledge. And then one week their city group leader was gone and they said, "Uh, hey, Tim, can you lead discussion? And he did, and he survived, and it went okay. And now Tim and his wife, they're helping lead a brand new city group pioneering into West Council Bluffs. I love it because Tim was just a leader among us, but then he felt God's divine shoulder tap, and he said, yes, I'm in. Let's do this. And now more people get to hear the gospel. More children get to see Jesus in a real life, and our church keeps growing, and disciples keep multiplying. So he's like, I can't help but wonder how many Tims are among us today. And I just want, I want to let you know, you matter. 
God, God didn't bring you here to hear good sermons, okay? God brought you here to make a difference. And when God, when Jesus looks down on City Light Church and Council Bluffs, he doesn't just see a big crowd spread out in three gatherings. No, he sees you. And he's inviting you to make a difference as our church grows. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, would you come and be stirring in our hearts? I know you already have been just through the preached word and the songs we sung, but would you begin to anchor in what you're saying to us this morning? I know you have something that you're communicating to every person in this room, and I, I pray that you would give them, that you would give me ears to hear what you're saying to us. We don't want to walk away with just a hand clap and that was a great sermon. We want to walk away with something you have for us. And so would you be speaking to each of us even now? Father, I want to pray for the, um, the widows, the, the ones who are easy to miss that are among us. Oh, Father God, would you give any of us in leadership from the highest levels of leadership to the lowest levels of leadership, would you give us eyes that see? hearts that long to hear the widow's complaint, to hear what the least among us says. And would you give us grace to respond with joy by empowering new leaders, by setting people free to go and serve, go and lead. Father, would you be pleased to do that work among us? And I pray for every person here this morning who feels like a widow, would you let them know you see them and you know them. And Father, I also pray for anyone here who feels like they have leadership in them, that you've planted it there, and they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines, they're not for sure, should I do this or not? Oh, Father, would you divinely tap them on the shoulder and let them know it's time to get in the game. I pray that there would be men and women. Oh, especially I pray for women who would just say, hey, I'm in this. I want to help lead. I want to make disciples. I want to sit down over coffee and the Bible. I want to help speak into our city group. I pray for men who go take other men out and teach them the Bible and uh, teach parenting and teach children. Oh, Father, would you raise up a whole new crop, a whole new set of leaders in our church and may those empowered leaders multiply disciples and city groups and churches, even here in Council Bluffs and all over Southwest Iowa. Be pleased, Father, to do this for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.